0: Thank you for joining us for another edition of the Intelligence Download. We are certainly living extraordinary times with the advent of COVID-19, and it's something that all organizations are working to manage. Unfortunately, this pandemic also brings those who seek to take advantage of it. In today's episode, Dennis Toomey, our Global Director for counter fraud and Analytics, sits down with Jim Potts, Vice President of the Special Investigations Division for NYCM, and the Executive Committee Chair for the New York Alliance Against Insurance Fraud. Also joining us is Frank Stuck, Senior Vice President, Investigative Services for the Delta Group, and current Chairperson of the New York Alliance Against Insurance Fraud. We're going to be discussing some trends they are seeing from an industry perspective, and how this pandemic is changing the way carriers protect themselves against insurance fraud. With that, Dennis, I'll turn it over to you.
1: First and foremost, thanks. Jim and Frank, for your time today. I understand how busy you both are and really do appreciate everything you are doing for the industry and the message that you're trying to get out to the consumers and um, the industry on insurance fraud. I know Brad gave a a really quick intro, and thanks for that, Brad, but for better appreciation of your experience and knowledge that you both have in this field, maybe you can give us a little bit of a, uh, a better background of yourselves. Um, Jim, would you mind just starting with your background, and then we'll go to Frank?
2: Sure. Thank you first, uh, both Brad and yourself, for having us here to get the message of the Alliance out. Um, approximately 35 years ago, I began my career at New York Central, uh, the first 10 of which were spent in various positions in the claims division, ultimately in different leadership roles there, involving casualty, no fault, and physical damage. Back in the 90s, when New York State promulgated Regulation 95, however, the companies were tasked with either creating or um, third-party funding out to a company that would serve as a special investigation agent. We decided to create our own, and I was tapped for that role 25 years ago.
1: Nice. So you've been in it for quite some time. And speaking about being at it in quite some time uh, Frank maybe you can give us background on um, um, your your background
3: absolutely uh, Dennis, thanks to you and brad and b a e for allowing me for Jim and i to come on board and speak a little bit about new york um after a ten year law enforcement career, i started the what's called the special investigation unit, which is the fraud investigation unit for hanover for Hanover insurance company in nineteen eighty one Retiring in 2017, where I entered the uh, the private investigation realm as a senior VP at, at the Delta Group. Um, I've been around the insurance fraud game for a long time. Um, a lot of that time spent on different boards, and the New York Alliance is one of the one of the ones that's most near and dear to my heart. And we really have done a, a, an incredible. Job in the state of New York to get it for getting people to understand the problems associated with insurance fraud. So important in this time of crisis that we're in today.
1: Oh, thanks. Maybe maybe we can expand on um, first the, the alliance the uh, uh, New York Alliance Against Insurance Fraud, what their mission is, and how you guys work with the industry. Jim, maybe you want to take that one. Uh,
2: the consortium is a group of approximately 100 companies formed to educate and inform the general public here in New York about the dangers and the true cost of insurance fraud. Um, the alliance was was formed, again, in response to Regulation 95 as a way for the carriers to, to, to do that role, which is contained there in, in the regulation. So each carrier had to do it either by themselves, or in this case, we banded together to not only pool our financial resources but our creative resources as well
1: a hundred carriers that write in the state of new york contribute to um, give public service announcements and educate the community on um, the impact of insurance fraud the dangers of insurance fraud and and some of the different types of scams that are going on out there in the industry to educate um, the entire um, state is that right
2: yeah, that's correct. And uh and for a little further point on that as well as what different forms that takes uh or has taken over the years, I'd like to turn that over to Frank because we have a new campaign this year and, and uh the uh the Alliance comes up with a new campaign every year to to inform on different topics. Frank?
3: You know, over the years we've had a number of different themes surrounding uh educating the uh population in the state of New York. For instance, a couple of years ago, we attacked um, opiate fraud as a, as a major um, component of our ad campaign, and it was very, very highly received. And so this year, we, we stepped back and said, you know, we want people to understand that insurance fraud is stealing, plain and simple. And that's our, our theme for 2000, for 2020. Now, the interesting thing is as we were getting ready to roll out the campaign, COVID-19 hit. So we did a, we did a distinct about phase, and this year our campaign is now solely um, geared toward COVID-19 issues, and we're about to roll that campaign out. As a matter of fact, Jim has already started doing some of his media um, presentations just about, you know, what the Alliance
1: is doing to inform people how to be careful in this time of crisis. That's great. Maybe we can expand on that a little bit more, you know, during this health and economic crisis. Are you guys, from um, an industry perspective, seeing any changes in the way fraud is being committed or investigated? Um, From an industry perspective first, then we can talk about um, the public service announcements that are going out as a result of that. Uh, Frank, you want to take that one or – yeah, that's probably difficult that. well, that, with you, Frank.
3: The whole key is when you look at any form of economic downturn, and it and it seems like over the last 20, 25, 30 years that times of crisis lend themselves to economic downturn. So if we go back to 2001 and the 9/11, the, I'm sorry, the 9/11 catastrophe, for instance, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Sandy, all these um, these issues. Lended themselves to a periodic economic downturn. So what happens? You look at the professional thief. The professional thief really doesn't doesn't slow down or pick up at the time of of an economic issue. What they do is they see it as an opportunity. But our message this year is more about to that person who, for whatever reason, looks at insurance as a, an opportunity to collect. Um, but collect some money that they're not not entitled to. So our campaign, very simply this year, really fit into this COVID nineteen you know dilemma that we're in. Insurance for the ceiling, plain and simple.
2: Yeah, that's that's very succinctly put. Um, you know what we see when there are opportunities like this, and, and certainly we didn't we didn't draw up the campaign this year with uh, the thought process of what COVID nineteen was going to bring to the table. But as Frank said, it simply just creates the opportunity for good people to make bad decisions. And sometimes that's just because they've paid their insurance premiums for, you know, sometimes decades without having any claims. And then they have a legitimate loss and they feel they need to get a little bit back, either because their neighbor or friends have told them that the the insurance company is, is going to be too tough in negotiating and they're not going to get back to what they feel is square, and so they feel they need to inflate their claim in order to do so. But specifically with COVID-19, we've started seeing some things uh, that, are, that are just, just really concerning. Uh, some of the body shops, for example, are charging the companies to clean the vehicles when they're picked up from an accident, Then they get taken to a repair facility where we're charged to clean them again, and then ultimately a third time before they get turned back to the consumer. Now, whether or not the the cleanings are actually taking place, nobody knows, but the charges and the rates to do so have been exorbitant without any guarantee, for example, that uh, the vehicle's been sanitized before it goes from party A to party B to party C. Um, And probably one of the most dilatory things that the the industry has seen are the way that some of these uh, scam artists prey on the elderly. And in a, a time where They're sitting at home as probably one of the most exposed groups during COVID-19. They're sitting there getting phone calls with people trying to get their credit card information or personal information so that they can steal from their bank accounts and things like that. And they'll do it under the guise of calling on behalf of their healthcare company or or different things as they have over the years to try and and elicit that information from them. And, you know, as as an at-risk group of people, we find that just particularly disturbing.
1: Definitely is disturbing, it. and it's amazing that people try and take advantage of the situation. I know um, I was reading today that as of Tuesday, the F- FTC data showed the commission has so far received 49,000 complaints related to COVID-19, and of those 49,000, 28,005 complaints, and of those 28,005 complaints. Um, The commission estimates consumers have already suffered more than $35 million in losses since the start of the epidemic. And that's just one aspect of it. So I think, you know, we don't even realize the amount of exposure that the insurance industry, and in particular New York being the epicenter of this fraud, what the impact of this pandemic is going to be. And from an insurance fraud perspective, you know, it's something that's really, really important that everybody understands. Frank, from your experience in the industry, you know, how do courts react to people being arrested for committing fraud during a catastrophe or crisis like this? You know, I just think it's important that if people are considering or even thinking about fraud, they should probably think twice. And just, you know, from your experience, you've been doing this for a while. You know, what, what have you seen from the courts during these catastrophes that you mentioned before?
3: Well, I think, you, you know, certainly what you're going to see is – and that's a loaded question, Dennis. I mean, the, you know, the, yeah. uh, the, the judiciary for years has been somewhat lenient on insurance fraud, you know, universally. Uh, but what, what we're going to see – and we haven't really seen it yet because it's still too it's still fresh. But what we're going to see is the courts are going to come down hard on people who, who use this crisis as an opportunity to commit fraud. So what I, I, re- I spoke before about the professional fraud artists. Well, let's face the fact that professional fraud artists are always going to commit fraud regardless of the state of the economy. End of story. What, but what they see is things like COVID, Sandy, Katrina. It's, it's a gold rush. Here's an opportunity because the professionals know that insurance companies are now real busy and they're going to be able to flip things through. Take that. And add that to that otherwise law-abiding person who may commit fraud because they see no other option. And and you know there's there's two elements to our message, but the most important element of the message this year is to that person that there there are other ways to um, to help themselves out economically. You know, so I mean the big problem is you you have people and and I've been saying this for over four years in in my Presentation is that there's a lot of honest people out there committing fraud because they don't correlate insurance fraud to a criminal act. And and when you, so when you get into a time of crisis, you have you have that issue of of very simply people from an altruistic perspective they don't think it's a big deal. And secondly, they see the insurance companies as the big bear, you know the big bad pocketbook. All right? Nobody's going to miss that money.
2: Yeah, that was a, a great point. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to emphasize, uh, you know, as Frank is talking about the ways the psychology about what makes somebody think that it's okay, is that at the end of the day, whatever any consumer does is going to come back to affect Not only them, but every other consumer in the internal world. So as the carriers, frankly, any retailer or anybody in the business, absorbs any kind of loss based on fraud, that expense ultimately gets paid back to the consumer or charged back to the consumer. And here in New York, because insurance fraud is such a prevalent activity, we actually call it the insurance fraud tax because it gets levied on top of every auto or or homeowner policy that somebody buys here in the state of New York. And that's because people don't think that that thousand or two thousand dollars, as Frank indicated, is that big of a deal. But if everybody's doing it, that thousand or two thousand dollars has to get passed on to the consumer at some point. Hey Dennis, I want to I want to give a
3: shout out to um, to one of our well known attorneys in New York. a fellow about the name of Roy Mura, and Roy Mura has been talking about a a very simple concept that um, that he learned about from a. Uh, a writer by the name of Dan Ariely, who wrote a book called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty*. Most people want to view themselves as honest, honorable people, yet, while benefiting from cheating, lying, getting as much money as possible. Now, I, I know that sounds like a harsh statement, but when you look at these economic times, you have to understand, and this is a this is quote, so most people will cheat up to the level that allows them to retain a self-image of being reasonably honest individuals. And that goes back to what I was talking about. And, Jim, I'm glad you, talk, you mentioned that psychology of, of stealing because people don't see it as a problem. And that's the whole essence of what we, we've done for, for over 20 years in New York is to get people to understand the mechanism of insurance that one person steals affects everybody who, buy, who buys insurance in the
1: state of New York and around the country. I love it. I mean, it, it, that's a really good point. Um, and, I mean, Roy is one of the pioneers out here, and he's really been doing some study. And so, you know, quoting him is absolutely spot on. Um, you know, and the other thing I want to point out, too, is for the people that those opportunists that are thinking about getting away with it and think the courts are too busy, you know, there's a typical statute of limitations is five to seven years in, in most states for insurance fraud. You may think you're getting away with it right now, But you're probably not going to get away with it because, you know, I think once the the dust settles from COVID-19 and law enforcement and the courts open up and the, you know, the evidence is is that investigators are able to pull the evidence together, if you are doing fraud, you're going to get caught. I mean, the likelihood of getting caught as much is going to be extremely high when they start going through this and the penalties are going to be severe. So, you
2: know, when talking about the psychology of it, what motivates a person? Uh, we're not trying to downplay uh, the difficulties and the pressures that certainly come into play when people have either lost their jobs or been furloughed. These are right. difficult times for, for all. All we're saying is that there are different choices that you can make. And while it seems rather benign in the beginning, committing insurance fraud can have lasting effects on the rest of your life. So you can be charged at least with a misdemeanor or a felony And that never goes away. And you're going to have that stigma of breaking the law and having that hung around your neck for every time you want to go vote or do anything uh, to become and still remain a productive member of society. And and again, it will come at at a weak point when you've got financial pressures that are mounting for you. And all we're saying is just think about that and think about different alternatives that you can do before you try.
0: Jim, if you know somebody who's committing fraud, in New York, how should they go about reporting it? That's a
2: great question. Uh, we would direct people to our website, which is www.fraudny.com, and there's a wealth of information on the website about not only insurance fraud as well as our old campaigns over the years, but how to spot it and then, frankly, what to do with it when you do spot it, which is, you know, to your point, can I report it and how do I report it?
0: And then to that point, Frank, you know, what do you recommend organizations and consumers do to protect themselves at this time?
3: Well, first of all, you know, the the website, and we have an eight hundred number as well that people can report. And when we get that report, we immediately forward that to the uh, Department of Financial Security in the state of New York. So the state of New York is taking inf- insurance for Extremely seriously, especially in this time of crisis. Now, the other thing that you can do is you can call your own insurance company, and every insurance company in New York has what's known as a special investigation unit. So, if if you don't want to call a an eight hundred number, you don't want to call, go onto a website. You can call your own insurance company and ask for the SIU or ask for the investigation unit and let them know that. You know of a fraud that may be occurring, and that insurance company will forward that information to the state of New York.
1: Yeah, that's great, and you know, and I I, I do want to also point out there are a lot of other um, uh, things that maybe the consumers don't realize. The advanced analytics and platforms mm-hmm. like our system, BAE systems. It's a shameless plug, but I you know I think it's important that you know people that are considering to about considering. Committing fraud, you know, they need to be aware that, you know, it's data that they're capturing, it's information that they're capturing. These systems we use in artificial intelligence and machine learning. They're not limited by social distancing. That data is going to be there. That data is being used to look for anomalies within the the norms of, you know, the claims and and in policy information, and you know, it, it's going to identify suspicious activity. So again, it's. Just really, if people are considering doing insurance fraud because of the economic crisis that they're in, you know, they should really reconsider it. I think it's that, to me that's a, that's a really important message, and I just wanted to make sure I got that in before our podcast ended. Now,
3: if I can add, you know, the, that that powerful tool that you talk about at BAE, couple that with the all claim database at Verisk ISO, you know, there's there's a footprint when somebody commits fraud. And it's always going to be out there. So people need to keep, you know, we're not trying to scare people, but people need to understand that if you commit fraud, there's not only a a, a criminal aspect to it, there's a sociological aspect to it. People are going to know about it and
0: you're going to be found out. Frank, what's the, what's the one thing happening right now that most people aren't aware of or has not made national or regional news from a fraud perspective? I mean, we've heard of the scams that are happening with um, the elderly. I mean, those are starting to dribble out. But what's the one thing that you guys have maybe heard that maybe people aren't aware of?
3: Well, well, first off, the, the interesting thing is that, you know, people are now, they're sheltering in place, for lack of a better term. They don't think people are out there watching them, all right? We're as we're as busy now as we were before the um, you know the COVID nineteen impact hit. So insurance companies are 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 out there looking for um, potential fraud. The second thing is there is there, there's a couple bills in different state legislatures now that um, we see on the horizon as a as a distinct potential for people to commit fraud, and that's. the the presumption that that any essential person, any essential worker who gets COVID is is presumed to have gotten it on the job, right? That is one of the biggest things that we're looking at now as a, a, as a future investigative um, opportunity for lack of a better term. You know, people, you know, People are going to have to prove they got it on the job, regardless of what these regulations or, or legislative actions say. So, you know, we, there's, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to see that and say, you know what, I I went to a party, but I'll just say I got it on the job. So that's one of the, that's one of the, um, the things that we see on the horizon now from a workers' compensation standpoint that's really going to impact the
2: industry. Yeah, that's that's a great point, Frank. And and, uh, to dovetail on that, there are a lot of commercial policies that have been issued over the years, uh, frankly, before. Uh, There were things like data breaches and uh, COVID-19 or things like that to respond to. So some of the policies that people have in either a personal or business context simply don't respond, meaning that there is no coverage for these things. And so people are going to be preyed upon by people trying to sell them that coverage falsely when it doesn't exist. Or thinking that they've got the coverage and that their small business is perhaps going to get reimbursed when frankly their policy is not going to respond to that because there, there simply isn't any coverage. So that just creates um, you know false hope for people and, and frankly uh, makes them spend time and resources chasing things that uh, are not going to do them any good. And that's you know that's a, a, a double blow because they simply don't get any money for it and uh, the psychology of thinking that there is something or a backstop for them uh, that just, just isn't there because they didn't buy the coverage. And that's either because uh, the company didn't offer it or because they didn't know what they were buying. And that's, you know, that's certainly a, a thing that we're seeing too. And again, it's to humanize what people think that they're going to be covered for only to find out later on that they're not. And,
3: then that, and, then, and Jim, that's exactly right. And what that then builds is a justification to commit fraud down the road. Okay, so yeah, they told me no this time. Well, I'll wait a little bit. I'll change. I'll change the story to fit the script. And then a month from now, forty-five days, sixty days from now, I'll put in another claim that they would not be able to let them to uh, to exclude. So that's a great, great point, and people need to understand that. You, you need to know the mechanism. You need to know your coverage, and you, and you need to know what you know what what the policy protects you against,
1: Right. And if there's any questions, you know, reach out to your carrier. They'll be more than willing to work with you on that rather than having to take it down the wrong road. So that's really great messaging. And, uh, you know, look, I know we're up against the clock. and You guys are just amazing. We could probably talk all day, and we may have to do a part two of this podcast because I'm just really intrigued with your experience and knowledge. But in closing, you know, I really want to thank the New Yorker, Alliance against insurance fraud your company Delta Investigations, and New York central Mutual for allowing you guys to do this and you know I think the messages out there the the stuff that you guys are doing to help not only the industry but the consumers understand what's going on out there is is something that you know is not replicated in any other state that I'm aware of so I well, Pennsylvania is doing a pretty good job as well, but any other state. I'm, I So I really appreciate everything that you guys are doing and, and can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedules to do this. You know, you do have full-time jobs, full-time jobs, but you still, you know, seem to make time for the Alliance and some of these other organizations um, out there. So thank you both very much for everything. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you.
0: What a fascinating conversation. Uh, thank you very much to Frank. Jim and Dennis, for those insights. You know, one thing will always remain the same. When people have the opportunity to take advantage of a natural disaster, pandemic, or other, some people will. It's all about shoring up your defenses ahead of and during times exactly like this. Thank you to listening for this edition of the Intelligence Download. Be sure to go to your favorite podcast app via Apple, Google, or Podbean. And for more insurance insights and how BAE Systems Applied Intelligence can help during these times, go to baesystems.com forward slash insurance insights.